Thinking aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove. Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Once again, I'm going to be having a conversation with myself. That's me. And today we're going to explore two of the biggest mysteries confronting the human race today. We're going to look and see if they aren't related to each other. I'm talking about the mystery associated with aliens and UFOs and the mystery associated with life after death, the afterlife. So the topic is titled Aliens in the Afterlife. And there's good reason to think that these topics overlap. And I know a lot of it has to do with some of your earliest research with the PK man, Ted Owens. That's right. Thank you for bringing it up. Now, I know many of our viewers have actually read the PK man and I've done, I don't know, half a dozen or more interviews about it out of the thousand or so that are on the New Thinking Aloud channel. But l let me summarize. I did a 10-year field study with a man named Ted Owens who explained himself to me as a UFO abductee, contactee, a person whose brain had been operated on by aliens to give him enormous power, power greater than any human has ever exercised since the days of Moses. And he explained that uh, he, he, he didn't just explain, no, he demonstrated. I have in my files 160 examples of these demonstrations, about a hundred of them, I would say, or more, pretty much worked out the way he said they would. He showed a, a large-scale psychokinetic effects, which he claimed were mediated because of his telepathic communication with what he called the space intelligences. And um, we're talking about hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, large-scale uh, power blackouts, droughts, ending droughts typically, not causing them. But if, if he got angry at people, there could be waves of lightning strikes. Lightning was another one of his specialties. Now, this all has a lot to do with alien intelligences. In fact, UFO sightings are part of the signatures that accompany his demonstrations. And uh, I've talked about this a great deal uh, on New Thinking Aloud in the past. I'm not going to uh, repeat it now. What I want to talk about is the relationship between the space intelligences and the afterlife. And it has to do with Ted Owen's death. He died in 1987, living in a small town in upstate New York, Fort Anne. Before he died, he wrote to me and explained that the space intelligences wanted him to move to Fort Anne for some reason. Well, there's been a lot of UFO activity in the, uh, upstate New York. Uh, Whitley Strieber, who I'll be talking about, for example, had his uh, major encounters in that area. Before he died, Owens wrote to me and indicated that there were aliens 
ships and strange lights hovering right over the farmhouse where he was living. And, and in fact, there were articles in the local newspaper about it and a letter of testimonial from his neighbor saying, yeah, he saw these lights directly over Owen's farmhouse. Owen said, yes, they've come to merge with me. And within a few weeks, he died. So that was a hint to me that there's some relationship. Now, there's a big mythology, of course, uh, relating UFOs to the afterlife. There was the um, incident of uh, the, the bow and peep. <laughs> the, uh, I know there's another name for it, but uh, the, when the comet Kohotek came along, there, there were mass suicides by people who were under the misguided impression, I think, that a UFO was trailing along behind the comet and, and it was going to pick them up and they committed suicide so they could meet the UFO. Well, what that tells us is that there is some overlap between authentic spiritual communication, and I have to put it bluntly, delusion. I would never, ever recommend people commit suicide in the expectation that they'll be picked up by aliens in a UFO. And of course, there were no UFOs accompanying the Kohotek comet unless they were of the type that Ted Owens talked about, invisible ones. But that, I don't think, is what they thought. At, at the time, there was, I think, a photograph that had been published that uh, implied erroneously that there was some sort of UFO hanging out with this comet. Uh, but that delusion aside, there are other examples. Well, let's get into the other examples. This is beginning to be quite interesting. Let me talk, for example, about a recent interview that was released on the New Thinking Aloud channel, uh, probably a week before I released this one, with Robin Foy. If you haven't watched that, I am going to link to it right now. You can uh, click on it. It's fascinating. Robin Foy is uh, the founder of the Skoll Group and the founder of the Noah's Ark Society, two organizations that brilliantly pioneered the use of physical mediumship to produce effects that astonished researchers from the Society for Psychical Research. But in this interview, he talks about it, it's near the beginning, he talks about a, an example of a physical medium in 2007 who came to visit him where he's now living in Spain and materialized the whole crew of spirit guides who are working with his team. And uh, of course, these spirit guides are essentially discarnate humans, but he said amongst them was an alien, an extraterrestrial, who has been working with them as a spirit guide since the days of the Skull Group, which is some 25 years ago. So, uh, there is another connection. There you have uh, an alien in the midst of a group of discarnates. Now, uh, Whitley Strieber, in his book, 
Communion reports this amazing incident in which he's having sex with an uh, alien, a visitor, an extraterrestrial with the big almond eyes. And he reports that in the same room with him, there were people watching them having sex. One of them was a person he knew had died. So now you have a discarnate amongst the aliens. So there seems to be a lot of overlap. Fascinating. Do you have another example? Indeed, I do. Now, a few weeks before this video has been released, I also released a fascinating study, a really fascinating study, uh, an interview with Roy Stemmen, who worked for decades with George Chapman, a medium and a healer who um, manifested the persona, or one might say the spirit, of Dr. William Lang uh, for a period of six decades. Now, the interesting thing here is that um, Dr. Lang, and in, in, in the book that uh, Chapman wrote with Roy Stemmen, it's called Surgeon from Another World, meaning the afterlife. Uh, but he talks about his communication with a scientist in England named John Best. John Best has uh, written a book. I'm going to post the book cover now. I think it's called Links and Communique. And in it, John Best talks about his many encounters with uh, William Lang through the mediumship of George Chapman. But he also talks about his deceased fiance, Marjorie. That's mostly what the book is about. And Marjorie is communicating to him. He's see, receiving regular messages, evidential messages from her in the afterlife. And she's describing her experiences in the afterlife. She was a nurse, as I recall in her physical existence and in the afterlife, she has the job of uh, visiting various hospitals and uh, situations that a nurse is called for and they've given her a vehicle. And the vehicle that he describes is very much like what you'd think of as a flying saucer. It can travel thousands of miles an hour on the planet and even faster if, if she goes off planet. So, here we have what could be a credible instance of a UFO being piloted within the afterlife. I could go on and on about this because the implications are really quite uh, astonishing. Well, of course, you have to ask yourself how much of this is fantasy? How much of this is folklore? How much of it is actual based on reality. I mean, let's face it, we live in a world in which uh, the mainstream is, I think, at this point, because of the articles written in the New York Times by um, people who we've recently interviewed, like Ralph Blumenthal and Leslie Kane, uh, people understand UFOs are real. They've been tracked on radar by the U.S. Navy. Uh, I think it's fair to say the U.S. government has known about them for uh, maybe 70 years or more. But still, 
there's an enormous amount of imagination that goes into all of this. Think of the many science fiction books that have been written. Think of the work of Carl Jung himself, his book Flying Saucers, in which he suggests that the, the, the manifestation of flying saucers in our culture, which really began in 1947, in, in the modern era. Of course, you can trace it back to biblical times. But uh, in recent year, years, Jung described it as the birth of a new religion. How do you sort through all of this? Well, the study of the afterlife also extensively implicates religion. After all, practically every religion has some belief in the afterlife. What religions don't generally subscribe to is scientific investigation of it because they prefer uh, the approach based on revelation and dogmatism. Nevertheless, the possibility of conducting scientific research in both ufology and uh, in the question of post-mortem survival has been going on slowly, low-key, decade after decade. We are able to sort through the morass of uh, fantasy, religious dogma, and to be honest, uh, delusion, mental illness. All of these things are interpenetrated with some sort of real phenomena going on. In fact, I think you have some statistics in, in that regard. Well, of course, and I'm, once again, I'm going to link to uh, an interview with uh, Ray Hernandez and uh, another one with uh, Burke. Joseph Burke, I, uh, if I have the name correct. These are people who have conducted survey research of uh, UFO experiencers, alien experiencers, and what they find is a very high percentage of people who claim to have uh, been abducted, who have had face-to-face -face conversations while wide awake with aliens also report a high degree, very high percentage, I think 37% of them have had near-death experiences, which is way above the general population. I think maybe 80% of them have had out-of-body experiences. So, it seems to me, from my perspective, I can tell you this, the evidence for life after death, for the afterlife, is overwhelming. That's why I've been doing so many of these monologues and interviews on that topic, and I'll be revealing more and more about that. The evidence for something authentic going on in the UFO world is overwhelming. Now, if the aliens are, let us say, from another dimension or another planet, if they are, as they often seem to be, biological creatures with bodies very different than our own. They live and they die. They are mortal beings just as we are. And as such, assuming that they're conscious like we are, that they share the one mind that sees through the eyes of all creatures, as we do, then being likely more advanced spiritually, emotionally, technologically than we are, perhaps, 
They know a great deal about the afterlife. Maybe travel back and forth between their physical world and the afterlife is, is what we will have, let's say, two, three hundred years from now when uh, the, the great project of psychonauts, which I will have to talk about, psychonautics. But uh, people today are exploring the afterlife in many different ways. Yeah, let me butt in here. Let me list some of the ways we've done video already on meditation-induced near-death experience. And of course, there are uh, the spontaneous near-death experiences that people have. There's uh, the use of entheogens and drugs for exploring the bardo planes. There's uh, people who uh, enter into these altered states of supersensible realities through hypnosis. There are people who can consciously engage in lucid dreaming and out-of-body travel. All of these things are, these people are the pioneers. They're exploring the afterlife or the supersensible realms, and there are many of them probably well beyond what we call the afterlife. And they're doing it consciously. And we are at a point in history, in my opinion, where we can begin to apply greater and greater scientific rigor to these explorations. We have, for example, the mathematics of hyperspace. We can begin to explore these supersensible realms, much in the way people five, six, seven hundred years ago explored the new continents of North and South America, we'll find, of course, that these realms are already inhabited. We're not about to colonize them, <laughs> but we can begin to expand our own horizons once again, the way people did when the new world was discovered, only the new world this time will be within us. I suppose it's useful to also point out that uh, in traditional religion uh, iconography, religious iconography, many creatures, demonic creatures often, although they were sometimes viewed very positively as guardian spirits and daemons and the like, inhabited these supersensible realms. And the funny thing is, if you look at some of the illustrations, they sort of resemble sometimes the illustrations that we get today of alien beings. The reptilians uh, are, are kind of diabolic. Arthur Clarke, in his great novel, Childhood's End, suggests as much that when he has the aliens visit Earth and reveal themselves, uh, they look like the devil. So <laughs> there may there may be a, a a connection between aliens, angels, archetypes, and the afterlife. Well, I know there's so much more to say about this, and I know over time we will have much more to say about it. But for now, I want to thank you for being with me yet again. We have delightful conversations with each other, and for those of you watching or listening, thank you for being with us. Thank you.